Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Joining us like always, Steven Schleicher. Hello, Zach. Steven. How are you feeling this week? I'm feeling okay. A little disturbed after the the, uh, the movie this week, but okay otherwise. Yeah, so this week we're continuing our dive into M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Last time we were here, we talked about his 2000 film, Unbreakable. Right. And now we are back with his latest film, Split. Mm-hmm. A, uh, what would you call this, a cousin Psycho- of sort? Well, no, I mean, they're both set in the same universe. Same universe, find out yeah. at the very end. But uh, we would say that this is a psychological horror thriller. Yes. it was. This is a, a film I was very excited about when I saw the trailers of, and then I never went and saw it in the theater because my wife says, I'm not going to go watch it in the oh, theater. Are you scary. crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And um, But now we finally got to sit down and watch it. And I don't remember. I think probably at the time when this movie came out and when they were promoting it, I would have p- put M. Night Shyamalan at like... Super low. I mean, like, joke. Like, why am I going to go see this movie? Yeah, there's no reason to go watch it. Yeah. And then, of course, we watched it, and I think this is actually a really solid film. I think I was talking to some people about it, Mm -hmm. and I think it's one of his best films. Like, way better than most of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, way better than most of his films. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, (laughs) if you think about it, he's got um, um, The Sixth Sense. Yeah. And then you have Unbreakable, and after that, it really kind of falls apart. Well, and this is better than Unbreakable. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it is, a, and it's not just a good M Night Shyamalan movie. It's just a good film. It's a solid movie. I mean, if you hadn't told me that this was an M Night Shyamalan movie, and you're just like, oh man, here's this thing about um, mm-hmm. this guy who has multiple personalities, and the multiple personalities that are conspiring, or some of the personalities are conspiring to bring forth this thing they're calling the Beast. Yeah. And this beast can do these weird, crazy things. And the ending is scary as hell when the beast manifests. Uh, I would have said, oh, yeah, I want to see that movie. And then if you would have said, and it's by M. Night Shyamalan, I would have said pass. Right. But it didn't even feel like it because it doesn't have the hallmark M. Night Shyamalan dialogue pacing. No Mm -hmm. one's whispering throughout the film. There isn't there really isn't a twist. It's no, it's it's a a straightforward. This is a straight up. And that's what I like about this is that. Um, on this girl's birthday, she and two of her friends are kidnapped yeah. or one friend. And then this kind of outsider girl, um, is kidnapped by this person who has multiple personalities and they are kept locked up. Mm-hmm. And as the movie progresses, you start to get to know these multiple personalities and you also get to know, um, what's his name? Dennis's. Well, we'll say Dennis. Dennis. Yeah. Uh, Den- Cause Dennis is the main personality, um, and played by James McAvoy. You get to also know his um, psychiatrist who's trying to treat him because she keeps getting these emails at odd times saying, hey, I need to come and see you uh, outside of their regular time. And then as the story progresses, we find out that the personalities are taking over and the ones that are scared of Dennis and the female character, Patricia, Patricia, um, they're frantically while they have control are typing out these emails. So then Dennis has to go and pretend that he is Barry, mm-hmm. the main one that's been out for a while, uh, and try to convince her that, no, no, nothing's going on. And she starts to suspect stuff. And in the meantime, these three girls are trying to escape, and they are trying to convince and talk to and discover. It's just this slow trip into madness. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I like 
about the psychological thriller is that it's this everything starts out normal and then it gets weird and then it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And I'm not talking about like I was thinking about this today. I can stand a movie like Split, especially when things get a little horrific at the end with the killings. Mm -hmm. But I could not and will not get behind a movie like uh, Human Centipede. Yeah. Right. No that's that to yeah. me is I mean, some people might say that's a psychological horror film, but to me, that's just gross and not yeah. something that I'm interested in. To me, it's it just, not even a film because I'm never going to watch right, it. <laughs> right, right, right. But with this one, like I said, it's just this spiral downward where, OK, one person gets taken out, then another mm -hmm. person gets taken out. And then the third person is the survivor and she's trying to figure out what's going on. And you find out about her uh, horrors and traumas in her life as well. And then it just all blows up and. You know, either they <laughs> the good guys win or the good guys lose. Mm -hmm. In this case, the girl does get away at the end, but so does does Dennis and the Horde, which is what they call the collective, right. um, their collective group. Uh -huh. And it's pretty weird. Yeah, it is. Strange. I didn't know what to expect. I really expected no. at some point. At some point, I really expected those three girls to also be like part oh, of his have. Part of oh. his multiple personalities and that this was all taking place inside of his. Oh, so you really thought head. there was going to be a twist. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, yeah because I, and I think really because of the Shyamalan sure. name, I was like, yeah. oh, so all three of these girls are part of the psychological multiple personality disorder that this person has. And he's keeping them locked up. And this mm -hmm. is them trying to get out and trying to stop the bad personalities from doing something bad. And so all of this is going to be taking place inside of his head. And it mm -hmm. doesn't. It's just a straight up horror film. Yeah, and for for me, based off the trailers, I thought this was going to be more horror throughout the entire film than you it like, really like was. More adjacent. Yeah, something more because yeah, the first or the the everything besides the last 30 minutes mm -hmm. is not horror. It's it's it is it's definitely it's more psychological, psychological yeah. in nature and it is creepy. In the way that McAvoy presents the characters, and mainly when if you see him switch on screen, mm -hmm. that's when it gets really weird. Yeah, and so you, you watch him like change his physicality, mm -hmm. and then the, the tone of his voice is changing, and you see, you can see that. Or sometimes he'll walk off because the way the care you can really differentiate all the characters is one through voice. But then through wardrobe as well, yeah. because what they refer to it as when a new personality comes forward, they call it taking the light. Mm -hmm. So he has 23 personalities and who's ever being manifested at that time, I guess I could say, is considered in the light. And right. they're the one controlling uh, the body. And so when a person comes into the light, they have a certain wardrobe they wear. Mm -hmm. And then if, say, if um, Hedwig, who is the nine-year-old personality, right. takes over... He the body goes and switches clothes and then it's Hedwig and right. so it's it, watching that happen the, the the switchings is can be very eerie. I think that a lot of that is um, a, a part of it is in the editing because for the most part you don't see the personalities on screen at the same time where they suddenly switch until the very very end where the horde has made it out and they're doing the discussion yeah. in the mirror and it's all one take there, and he's switching in and out between those personalities. Yeah, the only other... That one was really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only other one is when uh, our our main heroine it takes a walkie-talkie from Hedwig mm -hmm. and is trying to signal for help 
and in the shadows right. of the room, right. it switches from Hedwig to Dennis. Mm-hmm. And that, it's a very slow one, and it's quiet, and you kind of have her on screen, and then you switch back to the character, and it's Dennis now. Mm-hmm. And th- besides that, and then the end, the ending is really weird because it's like a full conversation. Right. And you never see that. You hear it at one point, but you never see it, and mm-hmm. that is it is strange. Yeah, I, I really like that. I, I thought that that was some you know overall great acting because you know for an actor to take on one role mm-hmm. is cool, but to end up taking on a I think we saw like 10 different characters. Yeah, because at the end, a bunch of them come out right at once. Yeah, and, and then there's also these recordings that the person is doing yeah. um, every day of the week, and it's a different person each day of the week. And I think the thing that is really interesting about this, and as we compare it with uh, Unbreakable, is this this thought of in Unbreakable it was you have these opposites. So if there's someone who is like Mr. Glass, you're going to have someone who's like Bruce Willis's character mm-hmm. in, um, in split. It seems like the argument being made by the psychiatrist or the psychologist, uh, probably psychiatrist is that human beings can become whatever they set their mind to. Right. So in some cases, one of the personalities has diabetes and so the only time that he has to take the diabetes medication is when that person is in the light, when that mm. person is taking control. Any other time, there's no signs of diabetes in this person. And then that gets amplified because um, all of the personalities that is talking with the doctor are basically like, hey, there's this 24th personality called the Beast and he's like eight foot feet tall and he can climb walls and he's going to devour the world and he's going to devour the innocent. And I forget what else. He's bulletproof. His skin cannot be broken. Yeah. Right. And so when the beast finally manifests at the end of the movie, it's it's totally in line with what the doctor has said. And she even realizes that that, oh, my gosh, what your mind puts in to place, you can actually achieve those kinds of things. Uh, and that makes it even scarier um, in in the long run of of the discussion that Shyamalan's having between these two movies, I think. Yeah, the manifestation of the final personality is well done in that if if and it's not even worth saying the twist because they talk about it the entire time and but it's in a manner that it seems unrealistic and and until that moment in the film, it feels like we're grounded. In reality of sorts, oh, so you know? You, so you think that, so you were taking out of the movie when the beast appears? No, 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 I wasn't. Oh. Okay. But I, I just think it it really, when you, when you compare it and look into Unbreakable, it goes into that world more mm-hmm. fully mm-hmm. in that moment. Because before then, it seems like it's anything, it's like a, a normal our earth it's it's a psychological right, disorder, right, right. and the person is just dealing with it. But when that happens, it seems like we're taking the step into the fictional world that Shyamalan is creating between Split and Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. And in the next film, to say, this is something else. Because, right. I mean, the reality of what the Beast does... I mean, transcends what, what is possible But I think even if, even if this were not part of... If this were not part of that uh, unbreakable universe mm-hmm. that was created before, to suddenly say have the beast appear and he does feel taller and he's yeah. stronger and he's literally scaling the walls and he's eating people and he's ripping <laughs> and he's super strong and is bending iron bars and he can take you know shotgun blasts to the chest and barely have any wounds. Mm. Um, that's pretty scary and that's you know that's when it gets into that 
horror mode. And, you know, he's jumping back and forth and zoom and zooming down dark hallways really fast to where it's like, OK, this is now a horror movie in the last 10 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying because it's like, OK, what if everything that and I think that's what Shyamalan has been trying to do this entire time in showing off the different personalities is, OK, what if just in your mind, what if someone says that they can lift, you know, a thousand pounds? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some a woman can lift a car off of her child kind of thing. And we know those things are possible. So if the if the thesis is that if someone truly believes that they have these multiple people living inside them and they come into the light and they do all these things, then, yes, we can see somebody manifest these physical conditions that go with the mental condition. The physical and the mental are are tied together. So therefore, imagine, if you will, viewers, <laughs> someone who truly believes that they are this horrible monster coming to destroy the world. And then when that suddenly manifests and you see it on the screen, you're like, oh my gosh, what if that's something that mm-hmm. really is possible in this world? And then you, at the end, of course, find out uh, about the the unbreakable bit. Right. And then you're like, oh, well, this makes it even more interesting. Yeah. And interestingly, apparently, in Unbreakable, uh, the Kevin character, Kevin Wendell Crumb, who is the real person, mm-hmm. Um, he was supposed to be in Unbreakable. Oh, really? And be, just because of the way the film was working out, Shyamalan took it out of Unbreakable, set it aside, had a bunch of different ideas for it over the years, and then finally came back around to it uh, and and wrote the script a couple of years ago. Huh. Um, the interesting thing was it was still going to be its own film and not part of Unbreakable until it got into the very ending where he's like, well, this really would be great to tie it back into this previous film. And in order to do that, he had to go to Disney who owns the uh, rights to unbreakable and said, Hey, is it okay if I do this? Is it okay if I use uh, the, the, um, um, the uh, Bruce Willis character, the David Dunn character in this film? And they said, okay, we'll have a gentleman's agreement that you can use it. Not a problem. Mm -hmm. Free and clear. But if you decide to make a sequel to this, Mm -hmm. We want to be involved with it. So uh, now when we get to Mr. Glass, which has already been announced, mm. Disney will be, I guess, co-producing this or, or being involved in the production of that movie. Interesting. Yeah. So the, yeah. So the, the evolution of this character has been around for 16 years or more. It's, it's really nice that the crumb character wasn't in unbreakable mm-hmm. because then you have expectations going into split. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that name was ever mentioned no. during uh, any of the, the advertising Mm-mm. for Split. Mm-mm. So it would have been hard to read into it that much. But, but hocked, are... you know, like hocked people would have been like, oh, I understand. This is Shabalan, same character. Now mm-hmm. we get it. Because I felt the placement into sequel realm of Unbreakable at the very end of the movie. We're talking like it's a right. post credit thing is so well done and doesn't feel shoehorned in as trying to build a universe of stuff, but it just is is a natural fit in there that he didn't have to worry about giving it away early. Right, but he did give it away early. Oh, no. So if you go look (laughs) at the movie posters for Split and Unbreakable side by side, you will see that he is telegraphing, even in the movie posters, that these are set in the same universe because... 
the uh, split movie poster is this cracked glass thing. Uh, and then if you look at the Unbreakable poster, uh, it's also this cracked glass thing. Uh, that's too good. Uh, now, there are some other posters out there, and the one that most people will see is the one with uh, McAvoy standing there and his shadows casting multiple shadows. Yeah. Um, but that one was one that was out in, in theaters, and it was like, hey, hello. Yeah. I'm giving you a subtle wow. hint here of what's going on. So That's really good. Uh, this was done for a budget of $9 million, ultra low budget. Yeah, uh, it really was, uh, I believe it was filmed over the course of a month, and they didn't have, you know, like a whole lot of of um, locations to shoot in. There was like just, you know, four. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. It was all inside. I mean, so you could do this really inside very easily. Yeah. Uh, ends up making like $270 million. Wow. So it has been a, a big success for um, uh, the company Blinding Edge Pictures and uh, Bloomhouse Pictures or productions uh, distributed by Universal Pictures is a, is a big deal for them to make all that money. Yeah. It's, I mean, it really justifies doing the, the combined sequel in what 2019, I think, is what mm-hmm. they've announced mm-hmm. it for. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm wondering uh, what your thoughts are. Now, the critics were fine with it. I mean, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it 75%, so that's fine. Um, that's the Guardian said this is a mix of, of Hitchcock, uh, horror, and a therapy session. Uh, but there's <laughs> some controversy around it because, and this goes into, uh, I guess, trope, uh, trope area where mm-hmm. people who. Uh, see this film, the International Society for the Study of Trauma and, and uh, Disassociation has said that this isn't just another film that stigmatizes mental illness where, mm-hmm. oh, if someone has a mental illness, they must be bad. They must be evil. And so the, the society should shun these people. And so that doesn't help people who have a disassociation disorder, um, the multiple personalities disorder or just people with mental illness. So they're saying that this film is really a negative yeah. against mental illness. Yeah, I had, I saw a lot of that news right when Split came out, and I kind of dove into it a little bit after watching it, but not a whole lot. But it's something worth thinking about and something I thought about after watching Split, and I don't know. I mean, if this was a movie in the 20s and and the Crumb character was mm-hmm. was like blackface or something, we would be like, well, this is horrible. Like this is this is well, wrong, or you know, or the other thing would be if we were watching M. Uh, remember the movie M oh, about yeah. the child molester, and uh-huh. he's somebody that does have a mental disorder in mm. that as well. Um, does that you know stigmatize that? Uh, so this is something that you know I think when you're doing a film that has this, you do have to be somewhat take these um, other reactions, other feelings uh, mm-hmm. into consideration because people will we'll have a problem with it. Right. And it's hard more for Shyamalan because he's trying to ground it in reality. So he's mm-hmm. using like a real disorder mm-hmm. and then he's putting it to a, a far extreme. Right. Right. But most of us probably don't know anyone with dissociative identity disorder. Right. So this is probably going to be our only avenue to seeing anyone ever affected by it. And so and it's so therefore. Us. Yeah, so therefore yeah. you are like, well, all the people are like yeah, well, this, right? Well, clearly all of them, yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, I think that's something to be be aware of. Now, you had something about this movie that you really, really didn't care for. Yeah, there is, this. I feel like this movie was really good, mm-hmm. and it was really good, and it was really tracking along, and then we have the pitfall of directors who have the inability to keep themselves off the screen, and Shyamalan you didn't have a problem with it when Hitchcock does it. Hitchcock learned 
from the audience though that they're looking for it get away with it immediately oh right right you know he at the end he's like in the first like 15 seconds i'm walking through the frame and it's done we can get to the movie right right and he he literally could have just stopped i don't know why he didn't just stop it's so strange like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do it in five seconds i'm why even do it at all right um but Shyamalan puts himself into this movie as I think a neighbor to the psychiatrist. I think he is the building, like the super, super. maybe. Yeah. And she wants to see the security cam footage of when the personality who claims to be Barry mm-hmm. is leaving her office, mm-hmm. so that she can get a picture of. Well, this is probably not Barry; it's another personality that's right. actually meeting with me and parading around as Barry. And so Shyamalan is this guy. And the scene is not long. It's probably mm-hmm. three minutes, mm-hmm. but it's so out of character for the rest of the film because the dialogue is a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Of course, it is between uh, two adults that can talk freely to each other. Mm-hmm. It's a lot faster. It's a lot snappier. It is it's like the, the sentence structure is different. It's a different vocabulary used. It is a whole different pacing and dialogue. Mm. And I just felt... It was just wrong. It could have yeah. been done. Essentially, the scenes boils down to the psychiatrist sees the Kevin character walk straight through trash after a, a quote unquote normal person walks around it. And she right. says, anyone would have just walked around it. It's obviously an act. Bear with me. Cut three minutes out of this film. She <laughs> looks out of her window. Yeah. She sees the character walk through the trash and says, hmm, interesting. Yeah. End of scene. It, it, there was no. I don't think anything added to the story by putting that scene in there besides Shyamalan wants to be in his movies. Like you make the movie, like Mm -hmm. it's your decision, but I just feel like in the structure of the film, it was just a bad choice. Do you think hmm, he could have been the taxi driver that dropped the the psychiatrist off at the zoo? Sure. It would have been way easier. I wonder, is he recognizable enough that when you see him in his movies that you're like, Oh, that's M night. Now, in a movie like Signs, where you're in a part of the country where everyone's white, really yeah. white, or white majority, yes, having him appear as this guy going, I'm getting out of town because the aliens are coming kind of thing, mm-hmm. that seems really out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, in Unbreakable, when Bruce Willis is shaking him down for being the drug dealer, that eh, seems okay. It seems fine. Here, it seems okay, too, I think. It didn't. You don't think me, it, it felt wasn't a weird? Big, it, to me, it wasn't a big distraction. But, but except that, if you know who he is, then yes, it pulls you out of the film because you're suddenly like, oh yeah, there's a right. knight. What's right. he doing in this film? Oh right, he likes to be in his films. Oh man, look at his hair these days. Da, 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 da. Yeah, you start yeah, yeah, thinking yeah. about all these other things. So, on the one hand, I agree with you that having those kind of cameos can totally take you out of a movie completely, mm-hmm. especially when that person is known for something else. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't think that that's I I think that that scene was okay. I probably agree with you that it wasn't one of the stronger scenes in the entire movie. And there could have been a different way around it or just dropped altogether because it really didn't add to her investigation. Yeah, it didn't even need to be in there. Um, But I don't think that the movie is is ruined or anything or or cheapened by him doing that. It's certainly not ruined. Watching it, I thought. But I, but I wonder dumb. if it's because that's you know who he is. It's because possible. how many how many others ha, how many other movies have you watched where the director has appeared in there and you're like oh I didn't even know that the director was in this movie probably a lot because honestly I didn't know M Night Shyamalan did that until we watched Unbreakable oh, and okay. we mentioned that M Night Shyamalan was in the movie and I go okay. oh that's a thing he does okay so 
No. I mean, it's kind of like the Marvel movies, right? We're all waiting for Stanley. Right. We're all waiting for Stanley. Mm-hmm. And it's different. Marvel's different. It's a different genre. But, it's but, a different but, mood. But but it's still a thing you you're waiting Marvel? for. Can't you hold Marvel to that same accountability as you do with M9? Absolutely, you can. You absolutely should and can. And there's just no reason. I mean, they, they're just fun. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to be with Marvel. I don't think M. Night's doing it for fun. Like, it, it, like the Hitchcock thing, I think is crazy. Like, he should have just stopped doing it and just said publicly, I'm not doing this anymore. Stop <laughs> looking for it. I, you've ruined watching the movies because you're thinking about something else besides the mm-hmm. piece of film. You're playing a Where's, uh, Where's Hitchcock right. when you're watching Psycho instead of watching Psycho. Right. And you're right. I don't think M. Night Shyamalan has the stature that Hitchcock did mm-hmm. and probably in cinema in general. But it is probably just annoying for the people that know he, know he I can does see it. That. I can totally see that. That's total valid read on that. Yeah, because if you watch a Marvel movie and you're in the theater, mm-hmm. the, the theater changes when the Stan Lee cameo <laughs> happens, right? It's like, we all shout and we cheer like, that's Stan Lee. We get it. Yeah. And the whole theater goes and the scene's kind of a botch. It has to just be an entire yeah, it has laugh. To be a, it has to be a scene that has no bearing whatsoever. Yeah. It right. has to just has to be, we have to do this now because we've done it for the last 15 years mm-hmm. and we're going to do it for the next 15. Mm-hmm. And because um, we're going to holo- hologram Stan Lee <laughs> after 10. But yeah, that's the only big qualm I had with that you mentioned at the end that you thought it really ducked into horror and were you scared oh yeah because i was like here he is he's actually growing he actually appears to be taller and then you know it 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 totally becomes the eh, cliched uh horror chasing right where the girl casey who's trying to get away she's got the gun she's dropping bullets it's dark. She's running through tunnels. She doesn't know where she's going. The thing, the beast is is popping behind shadows and mm-hmm. screaming at her and yelling at her. And she's firing at it and nothing happens. She closes herself in this in this uh, lion cage. And we find out why it's, she's in the, why there's a lion cage down in these tunnels. Mm-hmm. And then the beast starts pulling the bars apart. Yeah. And then she's shooting in point blank and nothing's happening. And it's like, oh, this is scary. You know, how is she going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. And then he realizes, oh, you're not. You're not pure. Mm-hmm. And so he just walks away, which I was somewhat anticlimactic. But on the other hand, it it I don't know if there is a message. I don't know what it is, but I would probably say something along the lines of your traumas help shape you. Yeah. Uh, and make you who you are. So it's OK, maybe not to embrace the trauma, but to recognize it as something that makes you you, I guess. Right. I. So first, the horror thing. I think I got taken out of the movie for a little bit because I was watching by myself and then Aubrey came home right before the beast arrived. So I paused for like 15 minutes and talked to her really quick and Mm -hmm. then continued watching the film. But even watching it again, I didn't think it was super scary. Watch it with the lights outside. I I did. I watched it in the middle of the night. (laughs) I thought it was a real well done scene that was scary is when the beast is climbing on the pipes and just yeah, punching yeah. the lights yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, That was scary. Yeah, that was the, a those, real. That's the sequence I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, that was a. But just that section, I thought the rest of it was not as scary as I anticipated. Mm. I don't know what else to just say, but like when mm-hmm. he was climbing on the walls, I go, "That's kind of hokey." And 
I mean, like, it, it seems Says the strange. man. Says the man who screamed <laughs> out loud in a movie theater when a face came out of the shadow. <laughs> that was scary, and I was not anticipating it. Uh, but I, I wasn't mad at the movie for not scaring me enough. I, you right, know, no, I'm no, probably no, happy that it didn't. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't a Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, yeah. you know, type movie. I'm glad it wasn't that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was a, this was an enjoyable movie, and I and I really think that listeners. Uh, if you haven't seen Split, and we kind of spoiled a lot of it here. Oh, yeah, you should know. But if you haven't seen Split, go go check it out because I found it surprisingly enjoyable for what it is. Yeah, and I, I wanted to talk about the scene with Casey in the cage real quick. Mm-hmm. One, if you're ever in a situation where you're in a cage and you have a shotgun and someone's approaching, please, the, for the love of God, put the barrel through, through the, bars the bars before you start shooting <laughs> because it's going to it's gonna be bad and it's not going to yeah. work well for you. Yeah. That aside... Um, I like, I'll, I'll forgive it. <laughs> I'll, I'll forgive that horrible handling of a weapon. Um, I thought the ending of her, you see all of her scars and her cuts mm-hmm. and it's not completely clear how she got them. Cause you well, have, you have, she's a, been cutting. She's, she's been, that's what I yeah. assumed it was, but there was like wearing a sh- her shoulder and stuff anyways. Yeah. So um, she was, we come to find out yeah. that she was molested by her uncle. Since a very early age. And they had to like live with him. And, for a and long had to live time. with him after her dad died. Yeah. And so she's gone through all this trauma trauma. So she is an outcast and she doesn't fit in with everyone else. And she is a cutter and all these things that we discover throughout the movie via flashback. And that's why she is the one that gets away at the end because the people that Dennis or Kevin originally intended to kidnap were these, you know, hey, nothing's wrong with my life kind of things. My life's perfect and great. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that he's after. And so I think it's, I really thought after the Beast character leaves her, I thought that is a beautiful ending. Right. Because I thought, like you said, there are uh, these these traumas that we have are horrible and they are horrible, but they end up shaping you and that is interesting. But what I also think is a detriment of all villain, like this specifically if we look at the beast as a villain, which mm-hmm. it uh, presumes he will be in the right. next film, right? Of he didn't know she had faced trauma until he was about ready to kill her because right. he believed she had never faced it, right? And so until she like had removed layers, like literally removing layers of her story yeah, and yeah. like her clothing throughout it, and then you get to the base of it and you realize, oh, she isn't this you know unscathed suburbanite girl Mm -hmm. which i think is a a way of saying you know what this his whole premise is flawed right because there's no way he can actually know the trauma people have faced right and that's why i think is beautiful and why it is a a perfect like villain foil Mm -hmm. of oh we will hurt the people who haven't suffered like us but we haven't honestly no idea who's right. actually suffered like us right right i do like his little kryptonite word to uh to make the beast go away uh, yeah, i yeah i i appreciate the level of uh the importance of names that mm-hmm. the, the the cinema has given us to the last year between batman and superman <laughs> and I, now split i wonder you know at the very end casey's in the police car and the police woman comes up and says hey um your uncle's here oh, ready yeah. to take you home what do you think she does? Because that's yeah. very ambiguous as she's just gone through this horrible thing with this monster, mm-hmm. this beast. And now she's going to be sent home with another horrible monster mm-hmm. that has caused her pain. You think she spills her guts or do you think she just endures? 
I can't tell because she has lived with this secret for presumably like a decade. Yeah. Like a, a oh, decade she's easily, she's at least 16. Right? Yeah. They're all 16 year olds. She's probably uh, seven or eight yeah. when, the, when we first see her. But, you know, she has been through a lot. And, you know, we, very early on, we realized Casey has probably faced some form of sexual abuse when the Dennis character is taking one of the girls out and it seems like yeah. he is going to rape, rape her. her. Mm-hmm. She says, pee on yourself. Right. And it's like, I mean, like my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, that's a thing. Yeah. That would, yeah, okay, I get what you're coming from. You obviously have been in this situation before. Right. We don't learn the full uh, severity of it until pretty much the end. Uh, but it it seems, and I don't know if it's the hopeful tone it's trying to leave you with at the end, but it seems like she's making the decision to tell the police officer what's happened. Mm. But it's not really specific on if she's actually going to say that yeah. or if she will go back with her uncle. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to watch this on iTunes? Did you get the iTunes extras? I did. Did you watch it. the alternate ending? Yeah, it was real dumb. You thought the alternate, I thought the alternate ending, I thought it was actually better than. Really? I, I liked it better than the in the mirror alternate okay. ending. Because in the alternate ending, it's just Dennis and Patricia having a conversation on top of a building. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. really short. It's about 35 seconds long where they're just like, look at all the innocence down there. Mm-hmm. And then as the camera moves over the top of the edge of the building, you look down and you see that it's a schoolyard. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, my God, look at all those victims. Look at all those kids that are now potentially in danger. Is is this beast going to come out and start attacking them now? What's going to uh, happen? And then it just ends. Mm-hmm. Right. It just mm-hmm. goes mm-hmm. black. And you're like, oh, my God. To me, you're not a parent yet, Zach. Sure. But. To me, I instantly go into that parent mode of, oh, my God, what if this was my kid and this creepoid thing is Mm -hmm. going to attack the school? We need a hero. Thank goodness. Dennis Dunn is right there. So you're right from that angle. If you really lean in superhero villain style, it is a better ending. But I also, but I also like the, I do like the, the mirror ending because it does show the acting, but it also does, it does explain further about what they want to do, what the horde Mm -hmm. wants to do. Soon they will know us as the horde and they will see what we are capable of and we will twist our mustaches and (laughs) threaten the world and hold it hostage for $1 million. (laughs) Yeah. I guess when I, I watched the alternate ending, I just thought it was too corny of an ending for a film that was trying to it felt like not be mm. corny or well, too over the top yeah I, I guess uh, did you watch it with the commentary first and then or yeah. did you watch it without the commentary I was in a real early I only oh, had okay. 35 seconds because Shyamalan goes in and explains it and to me oh, you know it's like a it's a like a minute and a half build up for a 30 second <laughs> piece and I was like oh okay so that was a little disappointing but then when I just watched it by itself I was like okay yeah I can see how this is an ending that is a really solid ending, but I can see why he also mm. switched it out. Mm. But to me, it was, I think, more of a terrifying, you know, what's going to happen next? Because, yeah, it, it just is frightening. You're right, because if it was like Beast at the end, he could yeah. literally just jump down there mm-hmm. and just start mauling people. Yes. Or following yeah. the or following, following the school people. bus yeah. home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have, you know, there's your next sequel of who's he going to terrorize next, right? So, House at the end of the lane. Yeah. So what do you eyes. what do you think? Well, because here's the here's the crazy thing. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong. There's going to be a split two, and then there's also going to be glass. 
I don't think so. I, I thought that's what that... I maybe I just saw split two and I was actually talking about glass. He has Shyamalan has gone on record as saying, as I hope a third unbreakable film ha- happens. The answer is yes. I'm just a, such a wimp. Sometimes I don't know what's going to happen when I get off, uh, go off in my room a week after this film's open to write the script, but I'm going to start writing. I have a real robust outline, which is pretty intricate, but now the standards for my outline are higher. I need to know I've won already. Um, I'm almost there, but I'm not quite there. And then um, it's basically said that uh, uh, glass is that, is that third movie. Okay. Well, let me, I guess I thought I because I there is glass is the third movie, mm-hmm. but let me Google really quick split two because I thought I saw there's announcement of there's glass and then there's split two, um, do 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 do, oh no, just kidding, it's glass. Yeah, that makes way more sense. Yeah, because that would have been really confusing if they were going to do a weird sequel of split and yes. then like combine them in glass. Yeah, so we will see glass on January eighteenth, twenty nineteen. It will star Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, James McAvoy, and Anya Taylor-Joy reprising her roles from the series. Now, I'm glad she, she's going to be back. Yeah, she's and really it's going to be interesting to see. She is Casey Cook. She plays the young girl who survives in this movie. I thought she did a really good job. Yeah. And I want to see where her story goes next because right. even though she's gone through trauma and it shaped her and it saves her, there's something else about her that that is interesting. Mm-hmm. There's, I think she's got something. I don't know if she has a power or what, but I think she has something that is going to be a big, big part of glass. If you had to pitch a story for glass of combining split and unbreakable, do you have like a pitch off the top of your head on what's the best way to do it and how, um, what direction well, basically, you would go? Basically, so, you know, the end of the movie ends with people in the cafe and they're hearing this story about this person calling himself the Horde and who's still at large. Yeah. And then this woman waitress goes, oh, well, that's kind of, that's a, another weird name guy, like that guy 15 years ago. What's her, What was that guy's name? Mm-hmm. And then you hear Glass. His name was Mr. Glass. And she turns and looks and there's Dennis Dunn just drinking a cup of coffee. Right. And you see him kind of look with concern at the at the movies, uh, at the screen. My guess is, see, if they had captured, if they had captured Dennis, it would have started in the insane asylum with him and Glass scheming. Together, yeah. Yeah, and becoming a back and forth about who's the greatest. I still think that this is going to be who is Dennis Dunn's greatest enemy. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And Mr. Glasses has has a lot of reason to go and uh, try to break out and try to terrorize mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. So does Dennis uh, to try to prove that the beast is right. I have a feeling if this is the direction that Shyamalan's going with psychological, it's going to be a lot of like we saw in Unbreakable with Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson going back and forth between a glass wall where Mr. Glass, he wants to go to Mr. Glass to try to find out why does this evil person want to do these evil things mm-hmm. and Samuel L. Jackson pulling the strings and manipulating him like he did in the first movie. At the same time, you know, the girl is going to be there to kind of point the way to where this guy could have gone next. Mm. That's kind of a loose yeah. idea of the way I could see it going. It, it's hard because Glass is still in the picture. Right. But... In in the realm of villains, Glass is uh, not as good as the Horde. Like in classic villain strength and brute and, and murder and thing. I guess Glass murdered a lot of people. Yeah, but uh, of a hero and villain uh, duking it out, 
it seems like Dunn and the uh, the Beast are set to collide. Oh, yeah. But it would be very strange to watch. I think an act like a true action sequence mm-hmm. because we don't really have one in Unbreakable. Maybe when Dunn takes out the oh, yeah, that's, guy in the house. That's, that's your action scene. That's an action scene, but it's not like superhero action scene, you know. Well, it's like that, a, it's like a it's like a boring James Bourne action scene. <laughs> he could if he wants to go that direction, turn this into a full-blown, you know, fight chase. <laughs> yeah, he could. Know, save, yeah. You know, he could, but I don't think that's no. the type of film that he wants to tell. He doesn't want to tell a mainstream film. He wants to tell something that is Here's what's cool about, you know, comic, you know, in the first film it was, here's what's cool about comic book characters. Here's, Mm -hmm. here's what makes comics work. Here's why the dynamic works between good and evil and how these dynamics of, of, uh, hero and arch nemesis are created. I would imagine that that's going to be carried over here, but now what happens when you're looking at a horror comic genre and what happens when the hero has to really deal with supernatural things that he doesn't understand, Mm. And how does he cope with those things? And hopefully there are no swimming pools around yeah, yeah. when he has to deal with those things. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing? Turns out, if turns like, out that the beast is like yeah, an amphibian and, and oh, yeah. only wants to live in the water the entire time. <laughs> that would be really funny. I thought it would, if it's like everyone also just can't swim in any of his universes. Everyone yeah. hates water. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he has some aversion to water because yeah, water is what deals the aliens yeah. and signs. Yeah, um, it would be funny. Uh, well, I wouldn't say funny, but it would be interesting <laughs> if the the climax of Glass takes place at a water park. <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if if it's like uh, at a water park or something, and like a bucket of water comes yeah, out and, and, and just goes right on the beast just getting, and just and just yeah. melts him? And it's like, wait, is this also a sign <laughs> sequel? <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, wait, who is Bruce Willis? Yeah. Like, is he the guy from Signs or is he done? <laughs> and why is there a crop circle? He wasn't in Signs. Bruce Willis wasn't in Signs. You're thinking of Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, they look exactly the same. Yeah, sure. They do. <laughs> Bruce Willis, and they're the same. Oh, character. oh so um, uh, you did say you watched this twice. I'm guessing uh, your wife watched this with you. Yes, she did. And she was very angry at me because she was like, is it scary? I said, no, not really. Like, I don't think it's that scary. <laughs> she was very upset because, right? Well, I really didn't think it was that scary. But then, you know, the beast crushes the psychiatrist yeah. and she's like, oh, this is bad. And then you, you see him a, eating a, brief, the- a brief moment of cannibalism. Yeah. And uh, when the girl gets drugged off screen, um, she was dying. And then that whole sequence, she was just not. She's like, this is a lot scarier than yeah. you said. I'm, like, I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't really I said, I don't think it's that scary. Uh, but she liked it. So that was a great one. She made it all the way through. She was apparently once. scared. Yeah, no, she didn't sleep at all. It was, it, was, it was a great movie experience for us. Excellent. Yeah, so really excited. We finally got to watch Split. And, you know, I'm excited for Glass. I now have high expectations which is not always great to go and do a movie with really high expectations. But mm-hmm. I think it deserves it because Unbreakable, decent film, Split, pretty good film. Well, and it does show, and this is another thing that, that this conversation of, of films over time has, um, has shown, is that 
directors do get better or they, they can get really, yeah. really good Yeah, and do some amazing things later in life. So they may be written off and have some downtime, but maybe they come back strong and they deliver something like Split. So. Bounce back. Here we go. Yeah. So in the meantime, before we come back next week with an episode of Zach on Film, what you need to do is head over to Majorspoilers.com, find this podcast posting page and give your thoughts about Split and how you would like to see this story uh, that's going to be merged in the film glass between Unbreakable and Split. Culminate and give us your pitch for that film. Or while you're there, maybe download a new podcast. You're going to find one of your new favorites over the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Maybe it's Major Spoilers Top 5, Critical Hit. There's so many to choose from, and you're going to love all of them. While you're there, click on that Amazon.com link. You can go shop at Amazon. It's, when you use the link, here's the deal. It doesn't cost you any extra to click on that link. You can do all of your regular Amazon shopping. It won't cost you any extra, but a little bit of your purchase won't go to Jeff Bezos. It'll come to Major Spoilers. And new podcasts will continue to come to your device each and every week. And you're going to love it so, so much. And if you really love Major Spoilers, and of course you do, you can also become a Patreon. That's right. Patreon. Patreon. You can become a patron. You can become a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, sure. Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers is where you want to go. Uh, two, five, ten, twenty-five, fifty, five hundred dollars $500. If you're crazy enough, $1,000 a month, you wow. can pledge. I'd be inter- eternally grateful to someone if they were $1,000 a month. Pledge. If someone donated a thousand dollars a month, we would rename this podcast after them. I yeah, would, I would pledge that. Yeah, and if someone did ten thousand dollars a month, <laughs> yeah. I would rename this podcast after them as well. And if someone donated ten thousand dollars a month, you could choose the name of my child. Oh, and if you uh, <laughs> did ten thousand dollars a month, yeah, that's a month. Like ten thousand yeah. a month, um, we would let you pick a year's worth of films for us to watch. Wow. Yeah, yeah. and there you have you to continue it for a year. That's right. Like, there's no like pledging ten thousand and then and just then, backing yeah, off for the second off. month. Yeah, like yeah. that's not gonna yeah, happen. Or backing <laughs> out like an hour before your pledge goes yeah. through. No, you can't do that. <laughs> Patreon.com/slash major spoilers is where you want to go. And until next time, take care. And we'll see you next week on Zach on Film. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.